0: discipline applied correctly can illuminate liberation.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. I'm your host and health coach, Ellie Rome. So for those of you new to this podcast, welcome. I'm Ellie. I was a former sugar addict, binge eater, compulsive eater, had a very toxic relationship with food. I ended up developing a bunch of health issues, autoimmune issues, thyroid issues, and my body was breaking down. I had no idea that it was mostly the foods that I was eating that was driving a lot of that. So after healing through nutrition and through mindfulness tools, transformed my relationship with food, and now it has become my mission to help other people do the same. So I've now coached hundreds of people to regain their health and to break through sugar addiction and overcome emotional eating. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about giving you the tools to empower yourself to take back your health, to get off autopilot and really start to tune into your behaviors. Because our health is so much more than just eat this, not that. It is how we show up in the world. It is what our belief systems. So much of compulsive behavior, compulsive eating, overeating, emotional eating is is rooted in trauma or things that we're wanting to avoid. Food is one of the easiest, most socially acceptable places to escape. And I know that was the case for me. Whenever I felt stressed or lonely or sad, it was like sugar, sugar, chocolate, sugar. It was just like completely escaping any uncomfortable feeling that I didn't want to feel. And I still have to navigate that. You know, it's an ongoing process, but it gets easier and easier and easier as you practice, as you build your mindfulness muscle and start to heal a lot of these underlying root causes that may be driving that kind of behavior. So this is a continuous pro- process of self-exploration and learning about yourself. It's a process, continuous process of healing and, and coming back to yourself again and again and again. So before we go into the episode, just reminder to find compassion for yourself, that you're doing a great job and every day is a new day. Every moment is a new moment for you to show up as you want to show up. And anytime that you fall back into an old behavior or realize that you're out of alignment with what you actually want, take a breath and begin again. All right. So, in this episode, I'm so excited to share with you a workshop that Susan Chin led for my 21 day resetters. So, 21 day reset is a group program I lead four times a year. And it's an awesome group. And primarily, it's a nutrition protocol, it's a very practical paleo protocol that I teach to help. Reduce inflammation, lose weight, feel really good in your body. But most importantly, is the sustainability of it, is teaching you the tools to how do we actually make this work in our life way longer than the 21 days? (laughs) I want everyone to keep going. And so that's what it's about. It's about how do we press the easy button? How do we make this so convenient so that I want to keep doing this? And it's not, it doesn't have to be hard. It's really about learning how to make it work into your life. And yeah. And so it also includes daily life fitness classes, daily life meditations, and we've got these bonus workshops. So a huge part of this program, again, is not just eat this, not that. It's learning how to change your habits and behaviors, starting to tune into the emotional eating part, break through sugar addiction, break through addictive tendencies and compulsive tendencies. One huge driver of that is stress and anxiety. And so Susan Chen is a Vedic meditation teacher. She's my Vedic meditation teacher. And Susan was a Harvard grad she worked on Wall Street as a Wall Street exec for over 13 years and had was developing massive migraines, was doing all these self-care practices that just weren't working. She was overloaded with stress. When she was introduced to Vedic meditation, it transformed her life and she ended up developing a career out of it and left her Wall Street job to do this, to travel the world now, travel the world now to teach and to spread their knowledge. I'm so grateful she did is just so much wisdom when it comes to stress and anxiety and not only managing it, but actually how do we eradicate it from the body? We hold stress in our body throughout our lives. We're accumulating more and more stress, especially just generally how we run over here in the Western world of just go, 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 go. And I am so guilty of this. I am constantly go, 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 go. Not taking enough time to actually sit and process and allow stress to be released. We do during sleep. But that is not enough for all the stresses that we are we are taking on. And so Vedic meditation is a practice of being able to release that stress from the body. And what Susan talks about is basically adaptation energy, that we've got a certain amount of energy each day to to handle change, to adapt to our outer world. So when you are well-slept and you're eating well and you feel great, when things happen, like your tire blows out, like it's not that big of a deal. You handle it. It's fine. You're calm. You're easy. But then, you know, those days where you're depleted, you didn't get a good night's sleep. Maybe something super stressful happened at work. You're have so much going on. Your parents are visiting. Who knows? Like all these things are adding up and your adaptation energy bucket is on empty. And then the tire blows out and it's like, it feels like your world's crumbling. And that's the difference is, is where are we at in our energy bucket? And what, what Vedic meditation does is allow us to fill that bucket back up, release a lot of the stressors in life that drain it. And I was so truly blessed. I was introduced to Susan and Vedic meditation last year, right before COVID happened. So I went to her four day course. It's a 90 minute class for four days and it has been transformative especially the afternoon practice so it's a twice a day practice for 20 minutes and it's a mantra based practice so you basically have a mantra but what I love about it is it's so easy it's so accessible you don't use your phone you don't need like a guide anything you just need the mantra you get a specialized mantra and and it's trained me especially with I have ADHD tendencies and it oh and my gosh it helps me so much especially with I've like just compulsive behaviors, especially using the phone so much and just like very impulsive, it grounds me. It allows me to sit in stillness and it's like you have a, your brain frantic, just like calm, calming down, just slowly, gently calming down. And it's just such an easy practice, but so powerful. And it can get you in a state that's five times deeper than sleep. So I love using it. Like I know on days I'll even put in an extra round on days if I didn't get a good night's sleep or If um, I just feel the need and afterwards, I feel like I had a power nap. It's so awesome. I just can't express it enough how much I love it. Um, So if you're interested in it, check Susan out at the Susan Chin. She leads workshops everywhere and you can find a practitioner. So you can even reach out to her and she'll connect you with someone in your area if you're wanting to learn. And if you're in Austin, she'll be here next week. So definitely check that out. Cannot emphasize how worth it it is. And then you get access for life to the Vedic Meditations that happen all over the place. So Susan has one once a week and you get to meditate with your, her community online. It's awesome. And yeah, anyways, so in this workshop though, she shares with us a huge powerful reframer on stress and just so many golden nuggets. I love this workshop. Every it had so much great feedback from the resetters. Also quick note, if you could do me the biggest favor, if you enjoy this podcast, you could leave a review on itunes that would mean the world i would love to hear your thoughts and it just really helps to get more people exposed to the podcast and help get more guests on here so love you guys thank you so much let's go to the show
0: in ayurveda which is the science of health and healing that comes from the larger body of veda uh, veda which is knowledge in sanskrit there's a wonderful saying that I always like to be, I like to remind people of and also be reminded of, which is a discipline applied correctly can illuminate liberation, right? And so what we do in these beautiful settings, like, you know, 21 day resets or committing to a meditation practice, A lot of people will say, well, you know, isn't life all about just going with the flow and feeling intuitive about what you're eating? And yes, that's absolutely the long-term goal, but if your physiology is caked with stress and misinformation and misfirings and miscues due to years of habits that might not be so relevant for us today, then going with the flow actually continues those irrelevant habits and behaviors. And so in Ayurveda, yes, the long-term goal is to go with the flow and listen to your inner compass, but we have to start from somewhere. And it's typically through a beautiful purification process and resetting our bodies, either through our diet or through our understanding of the way the body works. Um, and also through the understanding of how we get wayward in our thinking sometimes, as well as it relates to big, heady topics like stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. all of these things. So kudos to all of you for resetting multiple times, because this is really what it's call about. I'm determined
2: for it to stick at one point.
0: <laughs> and once we begin to clear out that initial wave of you know oh. relearning and retraining our bodies and minds to gravitate towards things that are truly nourishing for us then that daily habit then becomes that intuitive eating and that intuitive thinking where you know we don't have to always rely on the intellect <laughs> which sometimes can make interesting decisions for us, Mm -hmm. but rather through our intuition that really knows what it is that our bodies need at any given moment. Um, As a quick intro for those who I'm meeting for the first time, my name is Susan Chen. I am a Los Los Angeles based Vedic meditation teacher. um, And I also teach in New York and Austin as well. And being a meditation teacher means a lot of different things to different teachers, but um, the way that I love to teach is that it's my goal to make every single one of my meditators completely self-sufficient in their lives. And that being able to give them a really beautiful, simple and natural technique is gonna allow them to unfold a lifetime's worth of stress and anxiety that holds them back from living to their fullest potential. And I think for today, um, Ellie, I don't have a timepiece with me here right now, so you'll let me know when, um, you know, maybe perhaps 20 minutes has passed or so, so then we can open it up for some more questions. Um, But I wanted to talk a little bit about the phenomenology of stress and how we can better interact with stress in our lives, just given this really interesting year that we've all come out of, right? And we are all seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, right? As we see the world open back up. And I think it's a good point for us to start on in terms of a focal point to really drive home one of the main tenets of the Vedic worldview of this body of knowledge that I that I teach, which is, there is no such thing as a stressful situation, only stressful reactions to any given situation. So I'm gonna repeat that again, cause I want this to sink in. There is no such thing as a stressful situation only stressful reactions to any given situation. And for the first time in all of humanity's history, more or less, we as a global citizenry all experienced the same potential stressor in our lives, right, a pandemic. And we got to see a billion different separate reactions to this particular stressor, potential stressor right we were all caught off guard and by the way when i talk about a potential stressor is a big change of demand that is placed on us that commands us to adapt or react Okay, and so the pandemic comes, right? There's this virus that comes from who knows where and it gets transported really easily. And it's kind of like the flu, but like a million times more contagious, right? (laughs) What the heck is going on? We're all told to stay in our homes for a little while and enjoy some silence. And what we saw is that there are some people who began to adapt to this huge change of expectation rather well. And there were others who stayed resistant to it right we saw some business owners completely transform their businesses and had you know from a financial perspective one of the most successful years of their career and others who you know had a business that was closed and wasn't really able to adapt to it and even within our own journey of the pandemic over the course of the last 12 months you know we can all Witness certain pockets of time when we felt very resistant to the change or feeling um, a little bit of anxiety from it. And there were other times where we were feeling creative and adaptive and, you know, um, extremely enthusiastic about some of the new developments in our life from this COVID pandemic, right? And so this can serve as a really interesting focal point for us to really highlight that any demand that's placed on us with adequate amounts of rest in the body, we will be able to not only be okay with it, but actually interactively engage in the demand for our own personal growth and evolution. And I want us to begin to think about potential stresses as a numbers game. And this is where things like diet, sleep hygiene, Meditation, workout routines become extremely important because when we're beginning to engage in some of these practices, we are ensuring that our container of rest and adaptation energy continues to be very, very high such that whenever we go back out into our lives and have lots of changes thrown our way, we don't get tossed around by that change. (laughs) We We take the change in stride and we can even see the change coming ahead of schedule and begin to sidestep that change or interact with the change, okay? And so we all wake up every single day with a bank balance of rest. And depending on the amount of change that we interact with in every, any single day, we begin to chip away at that adaptation bank balance, adaptation energy bank balance, to the point where if there is something that's going on in any given day, and we don't necessarily have the amount of rest to adapt to that change, we'll go into a fight or flight reaction, which takes us out of being in the present moment and begins to launch us into a state of, where's the danger? Where's the predator? Let me continue to usher in all of my resources in the body to make sure I can successfully fight off the predator or successfully run away from the predator, okay? This is actually what a stress reaction is. It's not something that happens in the mind only. We see it manifest itself within every cellular structure of our physiology. And when we continue to have these stressful situations turn in, potentially stressful situations, turn into stressors, that's when we begin to really notice huge imbalances in our body. Because when we begin to experience stress and those symptoms of fight or flight, there are some systems of the body which begin to go into overdrive. And then there are other systems of the body that completely shut down because again, we have to think about our primitive defense mechanism of fight or flight, which is let me try and fend off this physical danger because within the next 15 or 20 minutes, I may not be around to enjoy some of the long-term health benefits that I'm constantly craving. So for instance, when the fight or flight reaction comes, what happens, right? And we all kind of know this through our own general experience of getting stressed. The heart begins to pump really, really fast, right? We kind of feel like our heart rate is um, increasing and we're about to jump out of our of our own chest. Sometimes we begin to take some really, really deep breaths, right? So those 80s rom-coms where when somebody would get stressed, they would like hyperventilate and breathe into a bag. (laughs) That is that overactive respiratory system going into fight or flight we begin to get super, super sweaty palms and we begin to develop some some tunnel vision, right? Because again, if there's a physical danger we wanna be able to focus our mind on that physical danger. Now those are the systems that go into overdrive. What are some of the systems in our body that begin to get neglected during times of fight or flight? Our digestive system, right? We begin to cease producing enzymes to help good digestion because guess what? You know, the two Susans on the Zoom call don't really need to focus on building up energy for the next, you know, two weeks when we could be (laughs) on our backs bleeding out if the saber-toothed tiger comes and does the better of us, right? Same thing with our immune system. Immune system resources are used for long-term health and longevity not during your fight or flight response. So the resources get ushered away from the immune system into some of these other systems that require more attention at that time. And we can go on and on. The reproductive system also begins to take a backseat, which is why during times of high stress, um, you know, women especially can feel um, an imbalance in their menstrual cycle, or even have a bit more difficulty Um, going through the the process of conceiving, right? We hear this all the time. And so what we can see is that stress really plays a big part in our general feelings of health and wellness and vitality in our lives. And stress has become a billions of dollars industry these days, everyone is trying to find a way to combat stress, whether it's the CBD industry, Or, uh, you know, I was hearing today about retail EEG systems that attempt to manipulate brainwave activity, or, um, you know, anything that we can do to address the expressions of stress, right? But what we aren't really doing is trying to figure out how to not get stressed out in the first place. 80% of all doctor's visits are rooted in stress, but there is no doctor out there that can adequately address your stress. It's like, you know, you go in for some high blood pressure because you have some high blood pressure and the doctor gives you some blood pressure medicine, but then that imbalance, you know, that tames the symptoms, but it doesn't actually tame the cause. And so what we really wanna be after is not just stress management, right? That's kind of a good start, but we're really in the business of stress eradication. And again, stress is not something we manage or is not something that happens to us depending on the vitality of our own physiology and the amount of restfulness we have in our own physiology will dictate whether or not we get stressed at all. And so when we begin to focus not on disease, but to focus on our health, It has an amazing and revolutionary way of completely regenerating the body to become super immune, super vital, and completely stress-free from a fundamental perspective. And this is the approach of Vedic philosophy. This is the approach of Ayurveda, um, a system of healing that is very near and dear to my heart because when we focus on health, right? We really begin to address our, our vitality on a holistic level. If we continue down the, uh, the rabbit hole, which sometimes we find ourselves down of focusing on disease, there are going to be millions of diseases that we're going to be dealing with <laughs> in any given day, right? It's like, oh my gosh, my eye's a little swollen. Do I have seasonal allergies? oh my gosh, you know, my, my, my left toe feels a little clicky today. Do I need to go see um, a, a podiatrist, right? Instead, if we begin to focus on the root foundation of our health, which is to eradicate stress and to build that foundation of rest and adaptation energy, we can sidestep any potential diseases that might come our way. And so what can we do right? To begin to not just manage stress, but eradicate our stress. Of course, I'm extremely biased. I'm a Vedic meditation teacher. (laughs) So what I would recommend to all of you is to get to your local teacher and inquire about this revolutionary practice. But I also want to be able to give you some other takeaways in this session to be able to start the journey of being able to manage your stress. And when you're, when your stress has been managed and you're ready to eliminate it, come see me and I'll train you in Vedic meditation. So we have some pillars that we all want to think about. And one is something that you all, since being your, you're signed up for the reset and allowing Ellie to guide you on this journey is all about digestion, right? Um, digest, digestion or maldigestion is one of the things that can cause some of the biggest stressors and physiological imbalances in our life. In fact, in Ayurveda, they say all health stems from good digestion and all disease also stems from things being undigested and not metabolized in the body. And we're starting to see this in even some of the, you know, modern medical um, articles out there, whether you follow like biohackers or even traditional medicine, right, which is we're starting to talk about things that are more bioavailable than others. So. You know, maybe 10 years ago, we would have been really happy with the honey roasted peanuts, you know, on our airplane. But now we know that our nuts need to be soaked and they need to be sprouted because it's not just what we're eating in the body, but how we're eating it in the body. We know that if we soak and sprout almonds, all of the nutrients are going to be way more bioavailable. And what does that mean? More nutritious, easily digestible. Right. And we also know from Ayurveda that if we were to eat our fullest meal during lunch, it will be way more nutritious for us and way more easily digestible for us versus if we were going to eat the exact same meal in the morning or in the afternoon. So it's really not about what we eat, but it's about what we digest. Because if we begin to have issues with digestion, then that can begin to turn into stressors that get lodged and stored in our body. And I know Ellie's taking you on this beautiful journey of of looking at your diet and everything like that. And I would um, really encourage all of us to not really think about what we're eating, but how we're eating, when we're eating, and how that food is being prepared. If you eat the exact same meal, but you're preparing it yourself versus another line cook who's down the street who just can't wait (laughs) to get out of work and back home to what they are really craving to do that day, your food is going to be more nutritious to you. You know, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's absolutely true. There's a reason why our mother's food always tastes the best, right? Or our father's food or our uncle's food. Um, these are all really important things to think about because the more nourishing your food is, the more bioavailable it's gonna be and the less stress you're gonna be able to put in your body through that through that application of nourishment. Another thing that I really love to encourage people to think about is also how they're beginning their days within the first hour or 90 minutes of their morning. We are all designing our experience of life. It's whether or not we are conscious of how it is that we're designing our life. And I love to talk about the power of a morning routine, because studies have shown that the way you start your first hour in the morning is pretty much how you're gonna be living your day for the rest of the day. And so if we were to start our mornings in a very mindful way, then we set ourselves up for huge success to be mindful for the rest of our day as well. Um, Whether it's, you know, we have the option, we can do an instant meditation, which means we get on Instagram and meditate on Instagram for the first 25 minutes of the day, <laughs> or we can simply do a meditation in the, in, you know, first thing in the morning, instead of doing the Insta meditation, right? We have a choice. Now, we typically don't know that we're spending our time doing lots of things that I would categorize as less, less life supporting. We always want to think about what it is that we're doing in our life on is this really life supporting, meaning is this really helping me achieve my goals? Is it helping me feel feel more vital? Is it helping me engage in the world with more unity than separation, right? These are all great questions to ask. And what I think you'll find is you're going to find lots of open pockets of time begin to open up in your schedule for you to begin to fill with even more life-supporting activities as well. When I started to do this practice a few years ago, I was like, oh man, I lived in New York for 20 years. So if you're not in New York, you won't know the you know, the true attachment New Yorkers have to the New York Post, okay? It's our local paper. It gives us all the news that we need for the day. And I would spend a good 30 minutes reading the post in any given day. Now, most of the time I was spending on their celebrity page, (laughs) page six, where they would tell me all about what, you know, uh, Kanye and Kim were up to and, you know, the latest on what was going on with Miley Cyrus. She's not in the news anymore, but. 10 years ago. She was definitely in the news, right? And I started taking a bit of inventory on how I was spending my time. And I was like, oh my God, I spent 30 minutes on page six. I could be going downstairs and going for a workout in that time. I could be doing a yoga class. I could be journaling. I could be meditating. My goodness, is that how I've subconsciously been designing my life? So I would encourage all of us to see you know to what extent are we being super mindful about how we start the first couple of hours of our day i think you're going to find that exercise absolutely revolutionary now you'll notice that in all of my recommendations there's nothing pedantic or rigid about any of these recommendations right because i come from a school of thought where we believe that all of us deep down inside hold the inner creative intelligence to know exactly what it is that we're meant to do at any given time, okay? We have the inner intelligence of all health and healing. We have the inner intelligence of the totality of the entire knowledge base of the universe, and what we want to do is to make sure that we're clearing the lines of communication to listen to our inner compass, to listen to our inner to intuition. Um, if you're in, if you follow some of the, um, uh, some of the luminaries these days in social media, they'll call it big self, they'll call it universe, they'll call it spirit, they'll call it nature. We might even call it, you know the universal spirit, you can call it whatever you want, but it's actually deep within you, okay? And what we know is that the pace of modern life gets so overwhelming sometimes that we begin to accumulate tons and tons of stress. And we begin to accumulate stress, we begin to wear away at the innocent observation of life and to really be able to tune in to how it is that we're feeling. Our bodies are sending us messages thousands of times a day. To what extent are we able to really quiet down and listen to the messages, right? Um, This is a very, very important thing that we wanna think about as we continue on with the reset and really think about how we wanna be consciously designing our lives throughout the rest of this year and beyond as well. I think I might've said enough for now Ellie, what do you think?
1: That was perfect, in perfect timing. All right. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: So, do we want to open it up for some questions? Yes. Yeah. About 15 minutes for questions before we break.
1: And yes, anyone wants to come on? I'm-
2: Okay, if nobody has a question, I might ask, um, how do you recommend, um, I'm, I'm trying like, not to say this where it sounds terrible, but um, when you have someone who is in very close proximity to you that is doing their best to make you miserable, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I'm always pick your battles and... But it is exhausting. Okay. Good so, question. Susan, how do you deal with when you're in a situation like that?
0: Yeah, great question. So, is this person a, a family member or is this person a co-worker or a roommate? Co-worker? <laughs> Okay, so, well, first of all, we want to be really thankful that we don't have to live with them. (laughs) And that we only see them for certain pockets of the day, right? One of the best things that we can do in terms of the first steps to reconcile these challenging relationships is to first start from the perspective of empathy. And it might feel like a very, very challenging bridge to build, but I'm going to be able to, I'm gonna offer you something that I want you to play around with for the next few days when you're in interactions with them, okay? Now, instead of thinking about how somebody's behavior maps to their feelings about you or their lack of feelings about you, I want you to start thinking about anyone's behavior simply as a reflection of their state of stress. And this, is, this this applies to ourselves as well, right? Again, there are no such things as stressful situations, only stressful reactions to any given situation. And what we know is that bliss is everybody's birthright. You know, there are seven people in the Zoom room right now, and we are all entitled to 24-hour bliss. There is no one who is exempt from this, right? Now, the degree to which we can feel it and experience it will be the degree to which we are able to release stress systematically from the system. So we want to remember that everybody has shades of stress in their physiology that impacts how they deal with people in any given day, including us, not just to your coworker who is um, causing a little bit of disruption, all right? So we begin to look at people not as flawed humans, but as people who are extremely stressed, who are dictated solely by overwhelming you know, periods in their past life that are resulting in them behaving in a way that might be cutting across the interests of others, right? It begins to take the heat off of the situation. It begins to depersonalize the situation because it's not about you, it's actually all about them. So what we're really after in life is to become unoffendable. And how do we do that? We become super resilient in our own happiness in that natural born bliss that we all have. And what I encourage all of you to do is find ways to access the bliss. And again, I'm super biased because I have made a career out of teaching Vedic meditation, but we can start to correct the intellect a little bit. There is no one that can do something to make us feel any certain way, okay? We think that our life is all about events and experiences and houses that we live in and how many zeros we have in our bank account, the possessions we have, the possessions we don't have that we wish we had. In fact, all we have in our life is our own internal experience of our consciousness state. Okay. And so from that perspective, we can begin to see that in fact, being unoffendable in life is absolutely within our reach. We simply need to focus on cultivating the bliss and releasing the stress to help us cultivate that bliss more easily. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to become pushovers in life either, right? We don't, and this is this is a trap that I, that I see, you know, so-called empaths <laughs> um, fall into all the time, right? I'm, I'm such an empath. I just can't have that hard conversation with them or I just feel so bad for them that it's so hard for me to be able to really, um, you know, put my foot down. No, that's not what we're saying, right? We're saying be empathetic. Feel what it might be feel like to be in their shoes and also don't take their BS at work either. And here's where the empathy comes in. How sweetly can you communicate boundaries? How sweetly can you communicate what it is that you still need from them from a professional perspective? And how sweetly can you depersonalize the entire situation because it's gonna, be, it's gonna allow you to deescalate the situation very quickly. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm Southern so the answer is very um, but and it's not just me that is experiencing this it is um, a a lot of people so anyway I've been doing a lot of what you've suggesting so I'm just going to keep doing that
0: keep doing it and mean it mean it be sweet not just because you're Southern yeah but be sweet because you mean it right Mm -hmm. and that's where that's where the empathy comes in that's where the empathy what might it feel like to be in this person's shoes and what previous experiences might this person have gone through to result in why they might be behaving in this way Mm -hmm. everyone can only behave in accordance to their own state of consciousness There's to expect people to behave in a way that's different than their own state of consciousness will set you up for expectation again and again and again and again. My teacher's teacher Maharishi Mahesh Yogi used to have a wonderful saying. He says, okay, so you were disappointed by what this person did. He was an Indian man, the great Indian sage that brought meditation to the West. He trained the Beatles, the Beach Boys, Mia Farrow, lots of celebrities. He would say, you expecting somebody to behave in a different way is like when you plant a walnut tree and you're wondering why it produces walnuts and not mangoes. You know, don't expect mangoes to fall from a walnut tree you got yourself a walnut tree, right? So setting ourselves up to expect mangoes to come and in this example, it's a certain set of behaviors when somebody's consciousness state is limited to a different set of behaviors will be an exercise in futility and disappointment and suffering and we don't want to suffer because there's already another person who's suffering over there <laughs> who's causing other people to suffer, right? We wanna rise out of that suffering and acknowledge the situation for what it is and then take nice, sweet and decisive action to deal with the situation. I hope that helps. All right. I feel like we have time for one more question. What are some ways that you could recommend dealing with a stressful reaction, like quickly? Mm -hmm. Great question. So in order to avert the stress, we always suggest a regular meditation practice. And preferably one that is so deep that and so powerful i should say that it begins to chip away at more stress than you could ever take on in any given day and this is why i love vedic meditation every single day as a vedic meditator you are waking up with less stress in the body each and every day that you're meditating which is a huge a huge leg up and an advantage in life, right? In the moments that you're feeling really, really stressed and something's kind of hitting you and you feel like you're going into fight or flight, um, anything that gets us from the fight or flight into that parasympathetic mode is going to um, hit the mark for you. And a couple of things that we can do is there are a few great breathing techniques that I'm sure Ellie can share with you. You know, the alternate nostril breathing, Ellie, that I've taught you before, you can feel free to share that with your resetters. Um, The in for four breaths and out for eight breaths is another wonderful um, back pocket tool to use during times like this. It has a remarkable effect on being able to relax the body very quickly. And what we can also do is we can do a very quick come to your senses technique, you know, what am I hearing, what am I tasting, what am I seeing, what am I touching, what am I smelling, right, because when we go into fight or flight we absolutely lose the ability to access our present moment. And we begin to get fearful of the future. We begin to think about what's happened in the past. So hopefully we can use that information to (laughs) help us in our current situation. And we begin to lose that beauty of the present moment. So when you do a quick scan of the five senses, you'll really be able to tune in to what's present and be able to ground yourself a bit more in that way as well. But yeah, Ellie, you can share some of those techniques with the resetters. I know as a yoga teacher, um, you have access to all of those handouts and techniques. Mm -hmm. The one thing I took away is you talking about that your mother's cooking is the best and always tastes the best. And my mother's online right now. So, you know, just shout shout out, you know, just keep cooking for me, mom. I think that's great. (laughs) 1,000%. 1,000%. <laughs> Home cooking is so nourishing. You get to eat exactly what you want to eat, and it might take a little bit of time, but boy, does it feel good to eat the food that you make on your own with your own hands, right? And it gives you that present moment awareness of what it is that we're deciding to to enjoy. You know, it's easy to order takeout, right? It's easy to... Just you know, grab that bar and get on with your day. And there are absolutely days where that's going to be the need of the time, and to do those healthy swaps. But to the extent we can, let's cook our own food. Let's use our hands. Let's peel those carrots. Let's you know sauté that uh, you know delicious stew or that stir fry. Let's let's really work with the food and begin to enjoy it in that way. It'll really help your digestion and your well-being.
1: Thank you so much, Susan. This was amazing. Thanks, Ellie, for having me. Yes, and how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect with you?
0: Yes, so I send out a weekly newsletter um, for anyone who's more interested in Vedic wisdom, some musings that I have throughout the week that I like to share. Um, So if you're interested in that, you know, you can pass your email on to Ellie and give her permission to pass them on to me and i will start sending you my weekly wisdom notes and in there if i happen to be rolling through your town i'll let you know um and you there are other ways that you can um that you can find me as well awesome and yeah for anyone in austin susan you're coming next week aren't you right coming next week yeah i'm teaching a four-day meditation course that begins on the 26th of april on monday
1: And y'all, it's amazing. I took it last year, right before COVID hit, and it was absolutely life transforming. I mean, like, completely.
0: Yeah, it'll be one of the best things you did. (laughs) It's a fun course. At the end of the course, you guys are going to know more about stress than your doctor. You're going to blow their socks off next time you go in for your physical. (laughs) And you'll meet a really beautiful community of like-minded people who you know, who are claiming their birthright of bliss. So if you guys are interested in it, get in touch. We'll schedule a quick call and I'll tell you more about the course. Awesome. Yay, well, thank you so much. And thanks for everyone for joining. I wish you all perfect health, a life of bliss and lots and lots of joy to radiate to the rest of the world. Bye for now. Bye.